former admiral in the Royal Navy there in Great Britain said that the Her Majesty's Royal Navy could destroy Iran's fleet and be back in time for tea and medals. Hello. Now that's tough talk. Yes. That's some good old Brit keeping a stiff upper lip. I like that sort of <laughs> I like that sort of bluster. How old was this chap? Do we know? Was I'm, he like I'm guessing uh, old? I remember when we defeated the Kaiser. Right. <laughs> Uh, maybe we'll get to this later. Good story in the Wall Street Journal I read over the weekend. Finding the quiet employees that hold your company together. What an interesting idea that, mm. that finally people have turned their attention to this. Because it's not always the people that, uh, in fact, we all we all know this is true. It's not the, you're, you're, you got a star salesman, you, you know what they bring to the, the party, and you got the star this and star that. But in every organization, and we all know this, there's somebody that you couldn't live without. That's just kind of a regular person. Mm. And they don't get singled out for their performance, but without them, there's like 10 other people that couldn't do their job. And often the people who work with them know that. Oh, yeah. Everybody knows but that. But the higher ups there. don't. No. Right. And, 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 and it would be difficult to figure out a way to reward it. Right. I mean, how, how do you measure it? How do you reward it? Oh, Jenny over there, she helps him and him and her and her and him and him and keeps track of this and this and this and this. Right. But how do you, how do you monetize? How do you. How do you figure that out? Yeah, it would take a university-level study to to put a number on what that productivity is worth. But we all know those people. Yeah, and then because it's difficult to put that number on them, they get uh, laid off when budget cuts happen. That's got to be frustrating, yeah, huh, all, Hanson? Yeah, all the time. <laughs> all the time. Yeah, actually, I was thinking of Mike Hansen while, uh, yeah. while I was reading this story. Yeah, but well, um, life's funny, isn't it? <laughs> invisible. Do we need to tell Mike something? Or is he getting laid off? Yes. <laughs> Invis- oh, I'm sorry, are we on the air? <laughs> <laughs> Invisible stars in many cases are more powerful than the people we celebrate, said this Harvard Business School professor who's trying to come up with a way to figure out who they are. If you're going to lose that person, seven other people's performance declines. Mm. And companies need to try to figure out how to identify who those people are and how you keep them around. You know that uh, topic we had last week where uh, how your boss is spying on you, <clears throat> which was uh, t- in some ways about spying, but... It was also in companies, in many cases, making really intelligent use of new forms of data uh, about the way people interact and get their jobs done and the rest of it. Um, I wonder if, and, and again, this is at once interesting and scary, I wonder if there will be ways in the future to look at somebody who's really the point guard in a lot of things. Maybe that's the wrong metaphor because the point guards are visible, but that, that pivot person who everybody's productivity runs through and they're unsung, but they're critical. I wonder if in the future that will become apparent. Yeah, they're, they're using, among other things, email traffic. <laughs> yeah. I, I, just, I just feel like they're going to fail at this. <laughs> I just, I'm not sure that there's any way to, uh, through, through algorithms, figure it out. The efforts are part of an increasingly popular approach called organizational network analysis meant to show an organization's informal networks. The employees that are uh, in, in contact with and influence so many other employees. Yeah. That's a yeah. good one. It's I mean, intriguing. It's smart. Yeah. Maybe, I, maybe the best way to just be asking around, like, anonymously. And everybody says, oh, yeah, Jenny in accounting, without her, we'd all be screwed. Who's who's really helpful to you? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like this is another aspect of the people learning more about the introvert versus extrovert nature of, of specifically in the workplace. And yeah. how, because we are social beings, we often elevate extroverts beyond what their skill level would 
would dictate. No sure. And, and then and you, the inverse happens with the introverts because they're not right. gregarious. They're not being their own cheerleaders. Well, and then what exacerbates it, I think, is the extroverts then get elevated to certain positions. And most extroverts think there's something wrong with introverts. Right. right. They think they're unfriendly or, or, or negative or whatever. Listen, I shuffle along staring at the ground, muttering angrily <laughs> because that's the way I'm made. That's how you know I'm happy. <laughs> so here's a story you'll hate. Doesn't require oh, doesn't require much time because hell you, of an opening. You know exactly what it is. <laughs> so I don't know if you know the Whitney Museum in New York. It's uh, it's it's one of my favorites. It focuses uh, mostly on Whitney on, Houston. It's entirely yes art. It's all, inspired by Whitney Houston. It's all paintings of Whitney Houston, right? It's Sculptures. A, it focuses on American art, and I just I've always really liked it. But anyway, it's a it's a big deal. Eight artists withdrew from their big biennial show because it turned out one of the board members at the prestigious Whitney Museum, this is one of the most important art museums in the world, one of the board members uh, of the art museum is also on a board that makes military supplies that are sold to police departments around the country. Oh, boy. And And that company also has made tear gas that Israel bought and then used against protesters in Gaza. Mm. And because this guy was on a board for a company that makes stuff perfectly, you know, police departments need this stuff, armies need this stuff, perfectly legitimate product, because it's sometimes used what you see as improperly against people of color or Palestinians or whatever, you're not going to show up with your art to the art museum because the guy on the board at the art museum is also on the board of that. Fine, don't. There's lots of art. There's lots of artists. That's where we are now. Move along. No, I don't think you're hearing me. Yeah, I am. Go ahead. Don't show up. We don't care. We'll there's, just call plenty one of, of the other art. We're uh, seven million and eight artists out there. Exactly. We'll look at some different art. You know, I heard this one guy interviewed on this story. He was an artist, and he said, we have uh, solid evidence that some of their products have been used on the border uh, against immigrants and people of color, and uh, I can't be part of that. Okay, moving along. <laughs> Get a different artist then. No, I think you need to listen. No, I did listen. You're, you're not. Sh- that's. I understand you're not showing up, and you're not showing your art. That's. That's great. Can you leave my office now? <laughs> I'm going to call a different artist who will bring their art. You can show your art. You can show your ass. You can uh, show your school spirit. I don't care. Just do it somewhere else. <laughs> I love that. I don't think I've had the pleasure. The Whitney Museum, you say? Yeah, in New York great. City? Yeah, absolutely. It's worth going go. to. It's right there in uh, New York, kind of by New Jersey. And <laughs> That's the one. I've been there. That's the one. Uh, so coming up, an unintentionally hilarious Bernie Sanders campaign story cool. uh, about the minimum wage. And uh, gosh, a whole lot more. The whole Jihad Squad uh, nickname caught on, and now people are having to apologize. Jihadism. <laughs> yes. Yes, Mitt. Sorry. Centuries... Biggest nightmare? Is that the full clip? Oh, and and <laughs> why don't we just, this is so short, Sean. Do you have that Fox and Friends tease? I was flipping uh, the channels this morning, driving in, and on Fox and Fiends, they get to the end of this segment, and they're teasing what's coming next. Listen to this. Uh, meanwhile, straight ahead, crocodiles thriving outside a nuclear plant in Florida, and shark sightings spiking along Cape Cod. What is going on? Are sharks going to take over land? Animal expert Jeff Corwin here live. <laughs> Are sharks going to take over land? It's going to be a quick segment. There's a, there's a decent chance of it. 
I think that's what I've heard. I saw this documentary about shark tornadoes once. <laughs> right, right. Run for your lives. Armstrong and Getty. The new Ed Sheeran rockin' song with Chris Stapleton and Bruno Mars. Rockin' our house. My kids like it. He's a ginger, you realize. He might be the most successful musical ginger in world history. It's an interesting question, Jack. <laughs> so, uh, well, we can keep listening if you'd like. Fine, uh, fine songs. Got an enjoyable groove. They got the three of them together in the studio and wrote it there. I wonder what that was like. They'd never met any of them. It's kind of a fun documentary. It was kind of part of another documentary where uh, uh, the Dave Grohl from the Foo Fighters and Chris Novoselic from uh, Nirvana and a couple other guys get together with Paul McCartney and they hash out a song and record it in the studio. Ended up being a really good song. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a heck of a lot of talent, though. Yeah, right and, and everybody, like those three guys, everything they've touched in recent years turns to gazillions of dollars. So yeah. Who, who 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 takes charge there? Or Yeah, know, how does that work? I don't know. Or just says, go ahead, write whatever you want. Everything you write makes a gazillion dollars. So. How about you, I love you really instead of I love you truly? Okay, that's good. That's good. <laughs> that's my contribution there. So. A couple of uh, finances of, of pay and progressive politics on that uh, topic. The minimum wages, wage for nurses for Medicare patients uh, in Washington State <clears throat> goes up to 1350 but Washington has decided that reimbursing nursing homes for wages at that rate is just too high. So the fix is to continue reimbursement at the old wage of 947 telling the nurses, uh, <clears throat> nursing homes to eat the increase all has to do with the incredibly complex way they calculate reimbursement rates in Washington State health care costs and Medicaid and minimum wages and the rest of it. The long and short of it is now bureaucrats and their formulas are in charge of how much money people make. And it's a nightmare has nothing to do with the rising and falling of supply and demand or how valuable you are. It's just. You're at the, the subject to the whims of bureaucrats, like the Soviet Union. Congratulations. Hope you enjoy that system once you get it. And it's completely the opposite of what we were talking about a little bit earlier, where companies try to identify that employee that is worth so much more than uh, <clears throat> than the others because they're just they, they they have their tentacles out and help a whole bunch of different people. Right. The star employee, that the unheralded star employee. How are you going to pay them in the modern world where? everybody gets a certain salary and you have to report to the government, you know, everybody's salary. So they make sure men and women make the same and all that. Right. You'll never be able to pay the valued employee more. Right. That whole equal pay thing is such a canard. It's so obviously pandering. And you identify that, that quiet person who is just so efficient and everybody turns to them and needs them. If that person happens to be a dude or a, 
a white woman in an office where there are other races or ethnicities or whatever, and you try to give that person a raise, you are going to be in millions of dollars of hot water with the federal government. And you are going to have to affirmatively prove your innocence, that you're not a racist and a bigot and a discriminator because you gave that person a raise. Once you get the government involved in this stuff, it is a nightmare and people are asking for it. In my mind, when I was picturing that undervalued employee that is so important, I was picturing a woman because it has been in many cases throughout my career. But Mm -hmm. it could be either a man or a woman. And yeah, so you're going to have a man and a woman doing the same job. One of them deserves way more money. Mm Mm-hmm. But we're, we're going to craft a world where you can't pay that person more money. You just can't. No. They no. all have to make the same. Yeah. With the same position. And Because everybody would have to be notified of what everybody was making in everybody's race. And listen, if you have any real-life experience, particularly in the workplace, in offices, at companies, you understand that there are a lot of people who are just waiting to file some sort of idiotic lawsuit, get a $25,000 settlement so they go away and keep their mouths shut. And can you imagine? I mean, I want everybody to picture your current uh, crop of coworkers and well, coworkers. How many of them are kind of petty or uh, jealous or kind of lazy, but have that victim mentality? The rest of it. All right. Now picture every time anybody gets a raise, they find out about it. And can sue and say they were discriminated against. I, who would who would own a business? You'd have to be a lunatic to own a business in that circumstance. And like I said, people are begging for that system. They just don't think. They don't understand. Um, and on that uh, topic, this is just, it's so delightfully ironic and delicious. Uh, Senator Bernie Sanders has been advocating for a $15 minimum wage, more unionization. He put his money where his mouth is, and I appreciate his consistency. He became the first presidential campaign to unionize and pay his workers at least $15 an hour. Um, uh, unfortunately, well, his campaign's union contract resulted in a flat annual salary of thirty-six grand for field staffers. Normal 40-hour work week, that's about 17 bucks an hour. But some staffers say they work up to 60 hours a week, meaning their pay ends up being about $13 an hour. To combat this, Sanders' campaign is now limiting staffers' hours to make sure they're paid at least $15 an hour, and those who want to work more or are capable of working more or whatever are being told, no, you can't. You can't do that. Awesome. Because we we've got to have equity. And you, those of you who work a little harder to get ahead or whatever, that gets you below that threshold figure, and we can't have You're never going to, nobody's ever going to get elected president of the United States that has people working 40-hour work weeks. Right. Never going to happen. Right, exactly. But they, now they can't have the true believer. Maybe they love Bernie, and they just can't wait for communism. Or maybe they're just a young, aggressive political pro, and they think, I'm going to be the rock star of my region office. I'm going to get the attention of the campaign director. Then I might be a state director next cycle, and I'm really going to make my career happen. And I'm young, and I'm single, I'm childless, and now's a good time for me to work 80 hours a week on this sort of thing. Right, or young and married or child dead early in my career. Either way, uh, how, how many of you are successful right now? Remember when you were a young up-and-comer, you're paying your dues and going home the minute you'd satisfied the minimum requirement. None of you! 
All of you were the, you were the ass kickers. You were the putting in a little, little extra time, a little extra effort, a little uh, innovation. That's that's how you get ahead. That's fine. It's good. It's not bad. It's good. And now Bernie's campaign is telling those people, no, no, you got to go home. Five o'clock hits, ding, you go home now. <laughs> no working extra. No busting your butt. We got to stay within our, uh, our government planning guidelines. I tell you what, it's a yay. If I, if I could, uh, if I were a wealthy man, I'd spend all my time traveling around to schools and trying to convince kids it sounds like a good idea. It's a nightmare. I wonder if Bernie's going to stay in clear to the end. So there's a new poll out, the CBS poll. The was... end of what, Jack? Because he is <laughs> really getting on in years. Uh, he's, he's right there. It is 15, 16% where he, where he hangs around. And, um, you know, I. I don't ever hear anybody throw out his name when they talk about who might be the nominee. I think there's a widespread perception that his moment has passed, and and he's hanging on through nostalgia and just you know love of communism. Well, his moment has not. His moment is here for his ideas, but for him as a human being, it's passed. Right. Uh, his ideas are here, and you've got one, two, three, four, five candidates in the top seven that all have his ideas. Um, but they're going to choose somebody younger. Mm. And so I don't know how long he stays in. What's coming up in your news, Marshall? Well, we got the latest on Iran breaking up a CIA spy ring. Thousands allegedly. Hit, what are you, an Iranian? Thousands hitting the streets of Hong Kong again, and now Oof. gangs are beating down the protesters. Oh yeah, this latest twist is crazy, and it just goes to show you how hardcore the Chai Coms are. And I assume those gangs came from the government, right? Yep. Stay tuned for that. Did you see the Epstein story that came out over the weekend? So we can continue to learn more about that pervo. Jeffrey uh, Epstein, the perv, yeah. Including the Washington Post with an interesting story on how that labor secretary dude who resigned got railroaded by the media mm. over several days. Yeah. But maybe we'll the get WAPO into did? Yeah. Wow. But maybe we'll get into that later. So they get in on the railroad and then write about how tragic it is. Yeah. That's fabulous. It's a good business model. Epstein would lose, in, according to an NYPD uh, a source who, who had been involved in trying to nail this guy down for years, um... He, he would lose interest in a girl once she got out of braces. Oh, and that's when he'd move on. Urgh. He needs to be Oof. executed. And anybody who aided and embedded him ought to be in a cell. Yeah, no kidding. News now with Marsha Phillips. Well, President Trump denying reports that Iran has arrested a group of CIA spies. Iranian officials claimed earlier today 17 people have been captured who were Iranian citizens but had been trained by the CIA. In a tweet uh, just hours ago, Trump said, quote, The report of Iran capturing CIA spies, totally false, zero truth, just more lies and propaganda put out by a religious regime that is badly failing and has no idea what to do. Impossible to know the extent to which this is true or not. Maybe it's partially true and there were two. Maybe it's not true at all. Maybe we've got, I hope, we've got hundreds of CIA spies and they caught some of them. Who knows, though? Well, and I appreciate that this is what you do as a journalist, but I've been amused to hear the news report saying, 
We reached out to the CIA, but they would not comment on the report. Right. So the CIA isn't saying, oh, yeah, there are, there are spies. Yeah, we trained them up. We had them uh, going into their jobs and then taking <laughs> pictures of the gear and sending it back to us. Yep. Yep. Too bad they're caught, though. No, no yeah. they didn't say that. Yeah, I was going to actually say yeah, <laughs> President Trump not surprisingly denied the uh, Iranian story about the CIA uh, Indeed. Sp- spy ring. Anyway, this news is coming just as British Prime Minister Theresa May gets ready to chair a meeting of the government's emergency committee after Iran seized a British-flagged oil tanker in the Persian Gulf last week. You also have France and Germany now condemning that seizure as well. Both countries calling on Iran to release the tanker and de-escalate the situation. Britain can't let it be uh, known that, yeah, you grab one of our ships, you can get away with it. All right. We're not really willing to stand up to that. That, that. that can't be. China's foreign ministry says the behavior of some radical demonstrators in Hong Kong touched the bottom line of the one country, two systems principle and must not be tolerated. That is their quote. More than 100,000 people marched in Hong Kong Sunday to call for democratic reforms and an investigation. Wow, that's down from a million, but 100,000 people was a lot of people. They marched to call for democratic reforms and an investigation into alleged police brutality. Meanwhile, dozens of masked men... (laughs) The Chinese Communist Party is going to launch an investigation into police brutality. Yes. That's funny. Dozens of masked men with batons stormed a train station and violently attacked protesters. Every one of those clicks and bangs is a wooden stick, a wooden rod, whacking people. And knocking them down, and they were also beaten with fists and feet right. and knees, and it was it's dozens of these white t-shirt-clad, masked gangsters, whatever they were, right. sent by the Communist Party. You know, everybody's denying it, of course, but you know the the uniform of the protesters is to wear black. Right. Well, these guys are all wearing white t-shirts. They're all really physically fit young men, and they all are up for smashing some heads. So they're probably Chinese military. Yeah. Um, and they send them in after yeah. dark, right? So right. the protests go all day long, and then at night, the Chinese military sends in these guys, try to make them just look like a rogue gang like they're in. As Antifa people are getting on and off trains and in the train. So in the train station, right. you get off your train, all of a sudden you're surrounded by masked thugs. For just beating the hell out of you. Man, that's old school. That's just, we yep. want you to be too scared to come out and protest. Right. Which might work. Yep. But, see, Jack, the Chinese government is in charge of their the economy and everything, and they need that control, and anybody who resists that control has got to be beaten down. That's socialism at work, folks. If you're going to grant control, you're going to get controlled. Oregon, it turns out, has just passed legislation that's among the first of its kind in the U.S. that will allow students to go ahead and take mental health days off from school as excused absences, just as they would take regular sick days. Yep, feeling a little stressed again today, Mom. Sorry. So you're a sophomore in high school. You got the flu. You tell your mom, man, I got a headache. I'm throwing up. I can't go to school. And your mom says, I can see that. I'll call in. You're not going to school. But now, as a sophomore in high school, you could tell your mom, just don't feel like going today. I just don't feel like I can do it. Can't take it. I felt that way every day of high school. 
and, and much of my adult life afterwards. <laughs> and when I wake up in the morning, I don't think I can do this today. This now you can call in and it's an excused yeah. absence. Fabulous. Right. How many of them do you get? I don't have that in the in I suppose the story. it's just like so. uh, the, the, the they're physically sick. Right. I mean, there's... You know, a limit to when you end up being what they call a home hospital school or something like that, but probably quite a few. Yep, the uh, student activists who uh, organized a push for the measure say it's meant to change the stigma around mental health. So this they- is the, this is the what happens with the, the super liberal belief that everybody will do their best. Nobody will abuse this. Only those who really, really are struggling will ever, ever take these days off. Right. Come on, give me a break. Yeah. Well, I can easily uh, take the next step or two down the logical road, which if you have chronic stress, which of course right. is, will make back pain look easy to diagnose and understand. Uh, yeah, I got the chronic stress. So, uh, yeah, I know it's been two weeks in a row, but I just I can't take it. Uh, and, and by the way, uh, my kid deserves a, a taxpayer paid for education. It's his right, right? We've all agreed on that. It's right. So you got to send a tutor now. You got to send a taxpayer funded tutor to my house because my kid is too stressed. And uh, please, there will be hundreds, hundreds of those kids filing that lawsuit. Good luck. There you go. That's a wrap. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. It'll really fall on the parents, I guess, because how many parents are, are going to say, as I think I would say, no, you got to go to school today. Right. I know you don't feel like it. I don't feel like going to work. Right. I never felt like going to school. You got to go to school. You know what? Do you get there surrounded by all those people and then you'll be fine. You'll be good. Or you won't, but you got to go anyway. Right. It's kind of what life is. Jeez. Eh, we're a soft, soft people. I know I am. Oregon's <sighs> the first state to do this, you say. Yep. Well, laboratory's a democracy. Yep. Yeah, each state. Yep. Yeah. I'm all for trying that out, see how it works. I know how it's going to work, but we'll see how it's going to work. Fantastic. Yep. <sighs> you know, in a situation like that, I just wonder, you were asking how many days. I don't know how many days you're allowed to do that. But I do know at a certain point you miss so many days in school and you're not going to go to the next grade. You're not going to graduate, right? That doesn't happen anymore. What? No. They that's, don't? That's not a thing anymore. Wow. No, they Holding don't hold you people back. back. That, uh, nope. No, that might hurt your self-esteem. Ever since they tied funding to uh, graduation rates, it's been shocking how many oh, people just move on to the yeah. next level. That okay. and probably parents yeah. suing the school district right. on your holding yeah. my kid back and blah, right. blah, blah, blah. Right, and got to help you if there's some sort of racial disparity, then you're really screwed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was Boy. surprised to find that out too, Marshall, because yeah. when I was a kid, that was a thing. Right. And we all knew a kid who'd been held back or, or whatever. Right. Um, but that I asked a teacher about that, and it just it's, doesn't happen anymore. Whew. Oh, my, my. <laughs> I know. Oh. You're lowering the standards. Everybody gets an A. Oh. And if you somehow can't qualify for an A, you, you won't be held back anyway. So it doesn't matter. And if you feel too stressed, just call in and say, I want to stay home. Uh, as far as I can tell. Oh, oh there you go. Yeah. Because I actually uh, Googled it. Uh, people who work here under state law, students can have up to five absences excused in a three month period. Um, it's quite a few. Anything more requires a written excuse to the principal. Ah, so that's just the verbal. Right. Yeah, not feeling so hot today. Right. You know how it goes. You could miss right. a whole week in three feeling, months. Feeling a little twitchy. Yeah. Well, and then then you can start submitting written excuses. Uh, dear Mr. Principal, Johnny is very stressed today. <laughs> then, then you get to buy a, a bunch more. 
day my paper's due, guaranteed. I'm too stressed right. to go to school. Right. You know, Guess I'll need one full day to work on this at home while I'm <laughs> sick. The plucky youngsters who are uh, who push this through say they want uh, people to understand that mental health is important. Sure, and, I get it. That's, uh, see, that's, that's the good. problem, that's the problem with all these things. Yeah. They do sound good, and there's some basis of truth to them, but they, they're unworkable in real life. That's the thing. Their intentions are very nice. But unworkable in, unworkable in all practicality. So, And this is fantastic. So when you, uh, I never pretended to be sick, right? And I never skipped school. I wish Mm-mm. that I had. I've talked about this before, but uh, I wish I'd have skipped it like one day, at least, in my life. Uh, wouldn't hurt anything, and you know, have a little fun. Yeah, but, I know. But I always went to school, and I never pretended to be sick. But now you don't even have to do the. You told your mom and dad you're sick, and you got to like stay in your room in the blankets and right. pretend to be Shake sick all day long. Shiver. You're just like not in the mood, so you could watch TV or. You know, uh, play video games or whatever you want to do. You don't have to pretend to be sick. Well, and if I'm stressed, reclining in the sunshine at the park sounds like a great <laughs> cure, yeah. frankly. Yeah. So, I mean... Playing uh, video games with my friends would make yeah. me feel better. Mom, uh, being home here, it's making me feel even more stressed. I think I probably <laughs> ought to go out. I just thought of something. This will put the Ferris Bueller movie... It'll make it obsolete. You right. don't have to do any of that. Kids will watch that and think, well, why didn't he just say that he was stressed? Right. Yeah, the whole take the thermometer and put right. it under your armpit or whatever. They don't understand it. What's the point? Yeah, yeah. and it turns out uh, Jimmy's stressed, too. I just called him, so we're both stressed, so we're going to go to the ball game. Right. <laughs> <laughs> In Cameron's dad's car. <laughs> right. little mental health yeah. day. Law yeah. says I get to. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Like a home, like a stone, and I fell heavy into your arms. These days of dark. So, um, I didn't really want to talk about this topic, but there's an interest, some interesting polling that's out about it. Mm. Um, Howie Kurtz was making a big deal out of, and I saw him talking about it on Fox last week and on his show about the media yesterday, about how he thought it was interesting that the media was comfortable just stating as fact that Trump's tweets were racist. Yeah, that struck me That's, that's the last a, week. That's a new thing. I mean, for, mm. for all people want to put on Donald Trump about breaking down norms, there's a lot of people breaking down norms. You want to blame Trump for starting it? Okay, go ahead. But, you know, you get to control your own norms, and the media gets to control when they want to break norms, just like Nancy Pelosi gets to control when she wants to break norms. And people are breaking norms left and right. And the media definitely broke new ground last week by saying, just stating, and I don't mean opinion stuff. I mean, well, here, we'll play a little clip of it. It's just un. Fathomable, and if you if people don't believe it's racist if he does it, then they don't know what racism is. He has joined Andrew Johnson as the most racist president in American history. These were not <laughs> racist. This was about patriotism. When did- so that's a little of the commentary, but there are also clips of uh, hosts like Nora O'Donnell, the new host of the CBS Evening News, mm-hmm. saying reaction to Donald Trump's racist tweets from this weekend. Right. 
Yeah. Uh, and, and a number of examples of that. Your straight newscast people saying, uh, and referring to it in the Washington Post or whatever, after Donald Trump's racist tweets, the response was, that's not something that was done before. Because racist is, to a certain extent, in the eye of the beholder. You could say tweets that many are calling racist. It only You only have to add like three or four words to that. Sure. Yeah. As opposed to, you just declared they're racist. Allegedly racist. Well, I thought it was NPR's pre- been big on that. Nationally pro- n- Nakedly Progressive Radio. They just state, the president's racist tweets have caused a great deal of blah, blah, blah. Yeah. On their news reporting. And I thought it was particularly interesting, given this uh, polling that came out at the end of the week. So this is after an entire week of this back and forth. Were Trump's tweets wait, racist? Y- y- well, actually, they, they, they gave you three choices. Donald Trump's tweets were, and they show you the tweets, you know, the go-back-home tweets, that right. sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Your choice was racist, not racist, or neither. Racist had the plurality, but it was 48%. Mm-hmm. So if less than half the country thinks they're racist... After been being told repeatedly by every network they listen to that they are racist... That's an excellent point. After being led by the media that, yes, they are racist, just told definitively, like, right. this is a cat... This is racist. Right. You know, th- these are yeah. all facts. Um, less than half of the country thinks so. Well, it's mm. 48%. That's about half, but substantial. But it's not even it's not even quite half. Right. So should the media just declare it? And what's, yeah. what's the harm in saying tweets that many people found racist? That yeah. would be, as Howard Kurtz said, that's the way to handle it. That's the way it would have been handled in the past. Well, it reminds me of sometimes you get these punks waving around guns because it makes them feel tough and manly and important. And I think a lot of people in the media these days, they feel like they're really being important when they just state that Trump is a racist, the president's racist tweets. They feel like they're really striking a blow. We've said this before, and we'll say it again. My progressive friends, y'all are calling everything racist all the time. The value of saying that was racist or that person is racist is declining by the minute well, the, the 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 best value for the mainstream media, and I mean, I mean, uh, news, actual news programs, might have been in just saying controversial right. and leaving the R word out of it completely, yeah. and then put them on the screen or in your article and let people decide. Well, I'm telling you, the value of the word racist is declining like a Venezuelan boulevard. You can't get anything for it anymore. You've so cheapened it. And on the president's thing, which it was impolite, it was terrible. You might even say it was bigoted. A lot of people believe it was bigoted, but you got a like a, a a light-skinned Hispanic gal who spent her entire life in America. You got a black lady from Somalia. You got a, 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 a African American gal from Detroit, and who is that? I don't even remember the fourth one. The Ringo of the group. It doesn't matter. <laughs> so you got a bunch of a Middle Eastern is not a race, by the way, and so you got the arguably Hispanic. So what race are we talking about? Just to call every example of rudeness or bigotry or lack of tolerance or dislike racism, I'm telling you, you people are rendering that word meaningless. Now I hear, yeah, it was racist. I think, no, it wasn't. And you mix in a little hate speech, and then, then of course, you got to be fascist. Um, and y- y'all are seriously, you're rendering those words meaningless. But that's another breaking down of norms. It's interesting that a number of your major news outlets, I mean, CBS News is a big deal, or at least used to be a big deal. Yeah. Them just declaring something racist as they have, as if they have the power to do that. 
Right, as if it is a an easily definable term. I mean, if the president were to say, I believe that the Caucasian race is superior in a number of ways to this race and that race, I would call that racism. That's some good, solid racism. Or this race is inferior. That is racism. Saying that AOC should go back to where she came from, that's just mystifying. She's from the Bronx. <laughs> I mean, so I don't even know what that is. You might, nonsensical would be, to me, a more appropriate term than racist. Muslim isn't a race. Anyway, well, I thought yeah. it was interesting that it's about half of the country that said it was racist. 34% of third said not racist, and then 18% said neither. I think I'd be in the neither camp, actually. Now, it was a huge breakdown by uh, party, obviously. 84% of Dems thought it was racist. So, if you're Nora O'Donnell, and you're in the newsroom at CBS, and every single human being you know right. believes it's racist, then, yeah, you'd, you'd probably think the whole country feels that way. Uh, 70% of Republicans thought it was not racist. So, it's almost completely a breakdown by party, as happen, happens so often. So people in West Virginia who are out of meth are trying to get high with uh, wasp spray. Do you snort it or? Uh, it's not clear to me. Spray it in your mouth? It's an alternative form of meth. Um, I just bought a whole bunch of wasp spray yesterday. Are you cooking it up and smoking it? I hope it doesn't become one of those things that's really hard to buy because people are abusing it. Well, it might because they're selling them by the dozens and dozens in the hardware stores in Boone County, West Virginia, and then people are using it. Uh, And you can get high once or twice on it, actually. Then the third time, you have an allergic reaction to it and you die. Mm. So those of you who are substituting wasp spray for meth, eh, probably ought to cut it out. What's wrong with beer? Have you tried beer? Get hammered. A lot of beer will work. Armstrong and Getty.